0: Hello friend, I'm John Carter. Welcome today to the Carter Report, a ministry, it's only a little ministry, that has a vision as big as the world and that is preaching the everlasting gospel in some of the toughest places in the world. We've had the privilege of going 42 times to the old Soviet Union, that bastion of atheism and communism. And more recently, We've gone down south of the border, down to El Salvador, and there we've seen tens of thousands of souls except the Lord Jesus Christ. I have two special guests today, Susan Pirino and Alan DeLeon. Welcome today, my friend, to the Carter Report. Oh Welcome to The Carter Report. I'm John Carter. Susan Pirano, we're delighted to have you with us today.
1: Glad to be here today, Pastor Carter.
0: Alan DeLeon, we're glad to have you with us today. Thank you very much, Pastor Carter. You're both members of The Carter Report team. Yes. Yes. Recently, Alan, you went with us to what country?
2: Uh, We went to El Salvador, and it was an amazing, life-changing experience. Having the opportunity to go and witness to people who were hungry to hear the Word of God was life-changing. And watching them learn and begin to understand and put together why we do the things that we do, it's all right there. And I got to witness it in person.
0: Tell me about El Salvador.
2: Uh, I was so impressed just by the people and the organization in in general. Uh, Arriving there and seeing the teamwork of all of the local pastors, including all the local uh, Pathfinders as well, just organizing all of the people done in such an organized, well-mannered uh, sense. And that itself just blew me away, and the fact that they were reeling and ready to hear our word.
0: And it is a land that has suffered incredible suffering, has it not? Mm-hmm. Yes, it has. Uh, during the days of the gangs and the fighting with the militia, more than 70,000 people put to death uh, by hit squads and awful happenings in El Salvador. Uh, terrible earthquakes and famines and mm-hmm. pestilences. And we discovered they were a people who were hungry for God. Yes, indeed, uh, Susan, what were your impressions of El Salvador, this inter-American country? What does it mean, El Salvador?
1: El Salvador means the savior.
0: So and it's a Roman so, Catholic country.
1: Yes, very much so. And uh, it was exciting for me because this is the first time that the Carter Report has gone into Latin America and um, i was excited to be able to communicate with the people because normally russia (laughs) ukraine we always had to have translators and so since we speak spanish it was so nice to be able to talk directly to the people Uh,
0: what did you see in el salvador that moved in your heart and touched your soul
1: well there were a lot of things actually that uh touched my soul Uh, one of the most important is when you see the people being baptized and uh, we saw thousands being baptized, and just the fact that they were coming and they were, with a translation, they were able to hear the gospel, uh, the true gospel, that was, uh, that was wonderful to be able to see in Latin America. It's a very difficult thing to hear the true gospel.
0: Now, once upon a time in Latin America, uh, people like us couldn't go there and preach.
1: Right, right.
0: So, where were the meetings held, Alan? Uh, the
2: meetings were held in the large stadium, Estadio Cuscaclan, uh, one of the largest stadiums. Say it again. Estadio Cuscatlan. You say
0: it better than me. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, our thankfully,
2: thankfully, we got to utilize our Spanish skills being down there. Yeah. Uh, and it was just great having to hear for, uh, by the people themselves, from them, uh, what they were experiencing, how they were feeling, uh, getting to speak to them one on one, and just to witness with them. Uh, it was tremendous
0: and to let our viewers know that's the biggest football stadium in inter america
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the place was it half filled quarter filled or it was packed it was packed yeah, yeah packed to the door it was exciting
1: to see it start, yes. to see it start filling up
0: <laughs> uh, did you know that <laughs> one of the leaders of another denomination said if they get 100 people in there I'll eat my hat. He's got a lot of hats to eat.
1: (laughs) We've heard that a few times, I think, haven't we? Yes.
0: And so we saw the great power of God, and we saw tens of thousands of people pack the biggest football stadium in Central America. Yes, Yes, indeed. Susan, for how many years have you been with the Carter Report?
1: I have been with the Carter Report now for 22 years.
0: Ah, what about you, Alan? I've only been working for the Carter Report for about a year and a half. Ah, so 22 years <laughs> and, and a year and a half. Susan, you've done a special work with the Carter Report Ministry. You've traveled to Russia and Ukraine and Siberia, the Solomon Islands. Give me some others.
1: Uh, South Africa. Mm-hmm. to uh PNG Papua New Guinea. Yes. Uh, of course, El Salvador, India, we went to Of
0: course, let's not forget India. Hong Kong. Yes. China
1: and China <clears throat> we went through China. So, uh, I've been through every year that we've run a campaign. I've I've had the privilege of being part of the team.
0: So, how did you become a Christian? Were you brought up in the church?
1: I was brought up in the church, but I I left as soon as I had the the ability to choose not to go.
0: <laughs> Why did you leave the church? <laughs>
1: Well, I'd, I didn't see a purpose, and I had never really heard the gospel.
0: And what turned you around as a young ex-Christian?
1: What What turned me around was that I, I got married, had children, and now yeah. I was, uh, in my heart, there was a burden for my children. So I, I needed to come closer to the Lord, and I didn't know how to.
0: And so... You went along to a series of meetings.
1: My mother invited me to the Shrine Auditorium, which mm. you were holding a campaign there in 1990.
0: And now, tell us, uh, Alan, you know anything about the Shrine? Uh, I know
2: that it was in downtown L.A. Uh-huh. Uh, and that big it used, theater downtown L.A. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Yes, and that
2: uh, it used to host the Academy Awards, I believe. Yes, you're uh, right. And it was a, a pretty famous venue uh,
0: for a long, long time in L.A. Uh, do you know what are seats? I uh, believe it's somewhere s- around...
1: Over 6,000? 6,
0: exactly. 6,600.
1: Yeah, 6, 6, mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's a big venue, and it's oh, famous. And you yes. said, when you say the Shrine Auditorium, everyone knew what you were talking about. And
0: by the grace of God, it was packed four times over.
1: That, that was what impressed me the most. So
0: it was a, a great evangelistic series that most people said wouldn't work. Correct. They said nobody will go to the Shrine Auditorium to hear the preaching of the gospel. A downtown Los Angeles. People just don't do that in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. but we saw it packed four times over. Now, when you came into the meetings, an evangelistic series of meetings such as we've had in Russia, Ukraine, Johannesburg, Papua New Guinea, the Solomon Islands, India, you came into a, a meeting that is similar to what we do today.
1: Correct. And
0: so, just... what happened to you there?
1: Well, first of all, I was uh, intrigued by the information you were sharing the history, archaeology. Um, I had never heard that, and then tying it in with the the Bible. It was just, for me, it was eye-opening, and it was able to put all the pieces together.
0: Now, what, you know, people can hear this stuff. Though They can hear astronomy, and we specialize in that, and archaeology and prophecy. You can hear these things, but it just becomes an an exercise of academia, Mm -hmm. an intellectual thing. What touched your heart?
1: When you talked about Jesus Christ and the gospel and the fact that uh, I didn't have to do anything, that he had done it already for me, because I grew up thinking I had to be a certain way before Christ would even accept me. And so um, I heard that Christ accepted me no matter what condition I was in, and that changed it all for me.
0: And then there was an altar call. Alan, have you seen an altar call in some of the big campaigns,
2: yes, uh, I've seen them all on video, and I was lucky enough to witness it firsthand in El Salvador.
0: Tell me about the article in El Salvador, please.
2: You can start to feel the energy building in the uh, in the stadium uh, as soon as you start to make that appeal. You get a sense uh, in there, and being, and I was actually very thankful to be in the middle of all of that, and you start to see the people come down in droves uh, from all over the stadium, and they're just moving like water straight through to the front. And it, the energy just builds and the anticipation, uh, the people are rushing to get to the front and witnessing that and feeling that energy is just something that is almost indescribable.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's certainly it is. It's not, it really it, is. is. Is it the work of man?
1: No. No, Definitely
0: no not. it's the work of God. I can give you a testimony today. On occasions, when we have been having an altar call, I have felt in a very definite way the presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I'm not just talking talk here. I'm talking about a flooding of warm power. I I can sense that he's there. I can sense the personal presence of the third person of the Godhead. And I have felt that presence in Russia and Ukraine and in India. Susan, tell us about the altar call in India. Were you there for that? Oh,
1: yes, indeed. Um, That was amazing because we had, uh, I think it was like 35,000 people.
0: Hindus and Muslims.
1: Hindus and Muslims. And you were preaching, and like Ellen said, there comes like a stillness and a silence over the crowd. Even though it was filled with children and little kids running, there was no running. They were all listening. Yes. So you know that's Mm. the power of the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden it was like a wave of murmuring that came from the crowd. Yes. And you could hear it build from the back towards the front of, could. The, uh, of the stadium. India. It was, it was sort of chilling to witness that and to see all of these people sort of mesmerized by what they were listening to and to, to hear the, the gospel.
0: And the Holy Spirit was drawing them with cords of love. And we saw at least 10,000 people, Hindus and Muslims, move down the front mm. in this land of India because of the preaching of what? The gospel. What is the gospel?
1: It's the power of God. It's the, it's the everlasting message. What,
0: what's the gospel to you, Alan? Tell it's me. the love that God has for
2: us and uh, Him explaining to us that we don't need to be anything more than just His children to be accepted and loved by Him.
0: And, and uh, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We preach Christ crucified. We, do not set just, we don't preach just a set of orthodox doctrines. We believe in doctrine because doctrine simply means teaching, but we believe in the preaching of the cross of Christ. And we believe that the preaching of the blood of Christ is the power of God for the salvation of men and women.
1: That's why it's called the good news, because it's really good news, isn't it?
0: It's the good news of God. That's right. And uh, we're going to be back after this brief message. I'm talking to Susan P. Rhino and Alan DeLeon. And we're talking about the power of God around the world uh, to save lives. You're tuned to The Carter Report. Stay with us. God has His time and His place for everything. And the time and the place now is Latin America, including Cuba. Time magazine talks about the second Protestant Reformation and describes how hundreds of thousands, even millions of Latinos are coming to the Gospel of Christ. I'm not an armchair theologian. I'm speaking according to experience. I've seen it with my own eyes. Recently, we went down to El Salvador. There I spoke in the largest football stadium in Central America, with the biggest crowd that that football stadium had ever, ever seen. They came not to see a football match, but to hear about the blood of Christ. Millions are coming to a knowledge of God in Latin America. Doors are opening in Cuba. Who knows? We may be going to Cuba soon, as the doors open by the grace of God We are going to step through those doors and we want you to step through those doors with us and be part of our team for such a time as this. Please write to me, friend. Don't put it off. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358 in Australia. Write to me at Terrigal, New South Wales. Be part of the Second Reformation, join us and see the miracles of God. Amen. Welcome back to the Carter Report. Today we're talking about the power of the blood of Jesus. We're talking about the power of the preaching of the Gospel and how we have seen Millions of people come to a knowledge of God when the gospel is preached with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have with us Susan P. Rhino, Alan DeLeon. Alan, tell me, did we have a security problem in the meetings? Were we afraid of being shot down by by gangs? No, not at all. Uh, I was very. I felt
2: very welcomed there during this, the meetings. Uh, mm. All the people were just very friendly. Uh, They wanted to come up to us and ask us questions, uh, personal Mm -hmm. questions in regards to us, how we were working for the Carter Report. Uh, But there was never a moment where I felt like I was in danger or
0: any of the members for that matter. The safest place to be is in the place where God wants you to be. That's right. Because the will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you.
1: That's correct.
0: And if you are in the right place, you don't have to be worried about uh, getting shot. Right. I have walked out hundreds of times in pitch darkness with spotlights on me. I mean, that makes a target, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes with a white suit on. <laughs> and you walk out and you're in a dangerous country like Papua New Guinea. And they say, uh, they say that Port Moresby, I, maybe somebody will correct me, but I read recently that that is the most dangerous right. city in the world. I saw that. And you can walk out on a stage in the most dangerous city in the world, and you are safe. Susan, back to uh, El Salvador. Do you know how many buses?
1: Yes, there were 700 buses that were hired. Um, I think we started off uh, saying they were going to hire 500. Yes. And then it grew to 600. Because
0: who was paying for these buses? We
1: were. We <laughs> were. <laughs> So they, they, because they brought people from all over the country. Yes, all it over. It wasn't just a, a, a thing in the capital city. These buses came from all over the country. So they were bringing people from every north, south, east, and west. So there were 700 buses.
0: I'm told 700 plus, because as the need arose, they just went out and hired more buses. I've never seen 700 buses before.
1: Right. I had neither.
0: That's a huge number of buses. Right. <laughs> they told me... Pardon my saying this. They told me, well, those Latinos down there won't be able to organize anything.
1: Oh yeah. It'll be a mess.
0: And <laughs> they said, it's gonna be a mess. You you just gotta recognize that.
1: But we saw such great organization by this this whole team of people working working really hard. And they put together, what, wouldn't you say a...
2: Well, everyone involved in the program had their own specific role and yeah. everybody participated with full responsibility and it was able we were able to have a very smooth
0: program because of all that organization. I've never seen such good organization. I hadn't either. I, mean, not- I haven't seen it in America, yeah. in the church. I haven't seen it in Australia.
1: I didn't know there were 700 buses in El Salvador.
0: I didn't know there were 700 buses. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 700 buses... Can you tell me about where the people were seated from those buses? Seven, I think it was 750 or something buses, but we'll say 700. Where were the people allocated? Do you know about this? Uh, I do know that all the people had specific sections,
2: and I know mm-hmm. it was divided by their region and their particular right. home Can church. you believe this? Uh, yeah. It, it was amazing, and I believe that each particular church had their own set of pathfinders that would lead them to their particular section in the stadium to sit. Uh, they had flags to point people in the right direction. Amazing. And uh, specific pathfinders were wearing specific colors in coordination with what church they were with. Uh, so that type of organization was really, really impressive to see.
0: I saw some people holding up signs, 553, 649.
1: Those were the regions, I think. They got, they got divided into regions. Mm-hmm. And what they did was the regions that were further away were the ones that they put closest to the exits. So when we finished, they'd be the first ones out, first ones on the bus to start their trek, sometimes three to four hours back to mm. where they came from.
0: And remember, uh, the, the, skeptics who, uh, the skeptic who said to our friends down there, mm. the organizers of this great campaign for the Carter Report, they said, I'd be surprised if you got 100 people in there. Right. <laughs> you're not going to have any people come. Yeah. You folks, you're just not going to have a crowd. I'm told we had the biggest crowd in the history of the stadium. Mm-hmm. The stadium was overflowing with people. And then when they had a football match after we left, did you know what happened then?
1: Yeah, I understood that, that there was a football match scheduled for that Sunday. Yes. And uh, the crowd was not even half.
0: No, no. For the big,
1: and it was an yes. international game.
0: Yeah, less. Uh, some folks told me it was around 10,000.
1: Oh, god. Wow. And,
0: and we had 52,000 mm-hmm. for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. What brought the people, do you think? It was the power
2: of the Holy Spirit bringing the people, uh, influencing them through the preaching of the local pastors and just the buzz that was created by Mm -hmm. this large venue uh, and the organization of it all just played a huge part in that.
0: Now, Susan, you're the product of public evangelism. Mm -hmm. You came to Christ in the Shrine Auditorium downtown Los Angeles. We know, looking back, the people back there said, it won't happen. Hmm. If they they're not going to come, when they came they said, well they're not going to stay. <laughs> After they were baptized, they said, well they're all going to be apostates. Right, right. How long ago was that for you?
1: That was uh, nineteen ninety. Goodness, yeah, <laughs> 50, uh, yeah. 20-some-odd years can, ago. Can I whisper it to you? <laughs> Twenty-five.
0: That, that's a quarter of a century ago. Twenty-five years ago. <laughs> and you're still going.
1: I'm still going.
0: You still believe.
1: Still believe and still want to be part of a, a work that's making a difference in the world.
0: Uh, what do you think about public evangelism, Alan? Now, you're a young person. You've been with the ministry for a bit over a year. We appreciate you ever so much. After going to El Salvador, say say something that maybe will touch the hearts of the young people who are watching this television program, because many of them, of them have been told, the days of evangelism are finished, it's kaput.
2: Well, I think growing up in the church, uh, for young people for the most part, they're taken by, against their will by their parents. Uh, and they're just not necessarily, well, they're spoon-fed uh, tidbits of information. And going to these types of evangelical meetings, hearing the Bible tied into history, science, it, all give, it gives uh, young people tools to defend themselves when they do go to university or out in the secular world to be able to prove with actual facts, um, facts that a lot of people try to use against them, uh, that the Bible is very much real, it's very much powerful, and it's more relevant now, I believe, than ever for young people.
0: Would you agree with this statement that we have faith in the Bible as the Word of God because we believe it is based upon evidence? Exactly, mm. yes. We don't Definitely. believe in faith in faith. Right. You understand what I'm saying, Jesus? Yes, yes, We don't believe in faith in faith. We believe in the evidence. And Jesus spoke about this. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus said, I'm not asking you just to believe mm-hmm. in a foolish way, but I'm going to give you evidence, and you can build your faith upon the evidence. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ not because we feel like believing or because we want to believe we believe because of the overwhelming evidence. Ellen, do you want to go again?
2: Oh I'd love to go at the drop of a hat. I feel like it would just be a tremendous experience to be able to go out there and participate and use your hands to just work and uh, witness to the people um, to affect them in a way that will last for eternity and to be able to witness to someone and to see them come to Jesus mm-hmm. in, in, such a, in such a powerful real way uh, I believe is one of the biggest blessings that you can have.
0: Uh, Susan cast your mind back, it's only a few months ago but visualize, tell the audience about the people who came what was the audience like?
1: Well, I think we, we covered the whole spectrum, uh, from the vendor in the street to the vice president of the nation. I mean, she actually attended. Mm. Uh, we saw her there several nights, and she came to, uh, to thank you, I believe, uh, for coming to her country and for the message that you were bringing to the people. And uh, then I met a young girl by the name of Carla. Do you remember Carla? She was the physician. She was a doctor. Tell tell
0: us about Carla, the physician.
1: Carla Carla had started attending some of the meetings, and uh, it was her first time to hear the gospel as well. And so she was excited, and then when she saw that the culmination was in the stadium, and she came and she saw the impact that this message was having in the nation, she said this was the best thing that she's ever heard, and she gave her life to Christ.
0: Carla told me, uh, I met Carla, too. She came to the hotel. Yes. And Carla told me she was attending one of the preliminary meetings in San Salvador. Correct. We sponsored, as you know, about 90 campaigns before the big campaigns. That's right. And so there were 90 smaller campaigns running right across the nation. And she came along. Well, we, she didn't come along. She was walking down the street and she went past one of the places where the meetings
1: were are taking place. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: And she heard some music. That's right. <laughs> and she'd just gone through a dreadful divorce, and she was hurting.
1: She was very sad and depressed, she yes. told me. And she heard this uplifting music coming. So she decided to walk in and see what was going on. And it was one of the meetings, preliminary meetings, and they were preaching about the, go- the gospel. And she heard Jesus mentioned. And so she was drawn in, she said. I was literally drawn in to, to listen.
0: Doesn't this tell us that there's a God in heaven?
1: Of course it does. Absolutely.
0: Doesn't it tell us in this age of unbelief there's a God in heaven who still cares for people? Mm-hmm. Yes. And he saw color just as he sees you today. And the good news of the Bible is that God loves you and Christ died for you. and He has a plan and a purpose for you, my friend. I want you to know today that God is interested in you and that God loves you and He wants you to come to Him and He wants to come into your heart today. Please write to me today, John Carter, Post Office, Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California. Write to me in Australia at Terrigal. Please support this great work. We do this great work because our eyes have seen the coming of the Lord. We have seen the power of God. Mm -hmm. We are not armchair theologians. We believe that God is alive. And our message to you today is very simple. Dear friend, believe in the God who believes in you. Goodbye for now.